0: You know, I was at um, the doctor's a while ago, and he, I don't know what HDs are, but he told me i got 80 of them. Did you get that? There we go. For those who didn't, I'll draw you a picture later. But um, it is lacquer to have life and to have just a bit of volume in the church sometimes. So if, they, um, if the kids distract you, the front rows open. You can come sit up front. Beautiful. If you've got your Bibles, will not you turn with me um, to 2 Peter, Peter's second letter that he wrote, it's 2 Peter, we're going to be reading out of chapter 3, and we're in a, we're kind of in just a moment where we're staying and, and looking at the, the promises and the power of God, and um, as I said, we, we're going to go through the seven or 8,000 top promises of God just week by week, and um, as we, um, that was also, that's going to, uh, that was a joke, we're not really going to go through all 7,000 of them, Dave. It'll take a long time. I haven't worked it out in weeks, but it's around a thousand years, so it's not gonna, we're not going to do that. Um, so, you know, for, for us, we're going we're gonna to stick in that moment and, and just have a look at them. And, and so we're not looking at the individual promises, but we're looking at the, the one who promises, so the, the, the promiser, and, and what he says to us and, and, and what his power is in those things. So, so we're just going to dwell in that and, and go where God leads us. It's not really like a a series, as such, is just kind of Lord, what are you saying to us at the moment? So that's where we're at, and in, in, um, it comes out of two Peter chapter three, and we'll read that a bit later. But you know, I don't know when, when we go through through tough moments in life, uh, it's it always has been a natural human thing, but it's it's particularly easy now to really just emotionally check out and to just pull back and and get lost in a world of YouTube shorts or Instagram reels and just waste away hours and, and, and really just shut yourself off and not actually face what we're facing at the moment. And, and, and when life particularly gets hard or busy, it is very easy for us to just insulate ourselves and, and get hidden away. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but I realized a few years ago we were running flat out and we were going through some real tough times and and I real, it, the realization came to me at about one o'clock in the morning when I was watching those badly dubbed Chinese kung fu movies. You know those ones? You, I, I actually quite like them, but they're like they've got they've got incredible names um, at the start of those things, like you know, Northwestern Kung Fu Master of Shaolin Temple with Butterflies kind of thing. And then that's like none of the and, and none of the words line up, and the fight scenes are really bad, but. Oh, one o'clock in the morning. Here I am watching this thing, and I just—I I felt the spirit prompt me and say, "Why are you hiding? And what are you running from? And why are you running from me?" And it was an incredible moment for me where I realized I am like the, the problem is not going away, but I'm just avoiding it. I'm just trying to hide and just like o- full ostrich, so head in the sand. Sure, that's higher. That just overrides everything when it comes at that. So what is it, like, how is it that that you are running from this thing that's not going away? And and, and so it's so easy for us nowadays, even in our daily lives and our daily realities, to just, instead of taking a moment, being aware of where we're at, what we're facing, what we're in, and to just kind of try and self-medicate with technology. And And, you know, the beautiful thing about God's promises is that, he calls us back to the prophetic word, as Peter puts it. He says this, and you don't have to turn it to 2 Peter 1.19, he says, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And I thought that was such a cool promise for us, because in the What he's saying is that that prophetic word, so the the word that God spoke through Jesus, that's the ultimate prophecy that came as the the one who was foreshadowed, the the center of all promises of God is Jesus. He is the fulfillment, as we heard. He's the yes and amen of all God's promises they found in Jesus. And that prophetic word, that promise that that Christ came and that he will come again, that is like a lamp shining in the darkness. We recently got, got one of those globes that you can put in your lamp that's got like a battery in it. Those things are amazing, eh? How does that thing know when there's no power and it can turn on? But when I turn the light off, it goes off. I haven't figured that one out yet. But when ESCOM turns the lights off, it stays on. Anything clever, eh? I haven't, because it's like same. turn the power off and it goes off. But if ESCOM, so it's, I don't know, it's clever. But that, it, what a difference it makes in your life to just have one lamp in your room. It's an incredible thing. You stop. I mean, it saves you from kicking your toes against things and walking into cupboard doors. Cupboard doors are the most dangerous things in the dark. Because even if you walk with your hands out, that thing comes square at you. <laughs> Personal experience. But that is what those promises that are fulfilled in Jesus are like for us. They're like that lamp that never goes out. They are like a lamp shining in the dark place. So when we are in the dark place, when we are in the darkness, that is what we hold on to. We hold on to that prophetic word, that promise in Jesus, that He will come again, that His kingdom will reign. That is the ultimate promise that we're getting to. You know, the title for this morning is what I'm going to try and stick to it as much as I can, is that God's promises are not past their sell-by date. God's promises to you are not past their sell-by date. We all understand what a sell-by date is. It's that thing, the sticker they put on, and some shops there's multiple stickers on there. Because it didn't make it, so they just, new sell-by date. New sell-by date. But God's promises, so the sell-by date is when the shop says, this thing kind of going to go off and we shouldn't sell it anymore, we should pull it off. Get rid of that thing that's on there. It hasn't happened in time, so get rid of it. And I want to say to you, God's promises to you are not past their sell-by date. Some of you may have got promises and words and things spoken over your life, and you're kind of going, God, what's happening? This thing hasn't happened. Maybe you've been holding on to something for 20 years, and it's still not coming to fruition. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament about a man called Abraham. His name started as Abram, and then God changed his name, said he changed his name to Abraham. And God gives this man a promise in Genesis 12, and it's repeated in Genesis 15, and then a few other places, and God's promise to Abraham is an incredible promise, he was old, wife was, wife was barren, they couldn't have kids, and God says to him, one of the incredible promises, he says, you're going to be the father of a nation, and Abraham's kind of going, "Your Lord, it's like the day of the sell-by date here, my sell-by date for reproducing has passed. Still got a little bit between sell-by date and best before. You've got one or two days. And he gets this promise and he has to wait. And he has to wait. And we read it and it's like, it's a, it, you know, it's a few chapters or a few pages in your Bible. And it, it takes us 10, 15 minutes to read it. But for Abraham, it was 25 years. Waiting, waiting. And in that time, can you imagine the days when he was walking around going, Lord, I've been telling all my friends that you changed my name to father of many nations. That's what literally Abraham means. From blessed father or or whatever, Abram, to father of many nations. Listen, I know you used to call me that, but God's made me this promise. How many of us are bold enough to go, God's given me this prophet. I'd like you to call me this from now on. That will be a tough one, eh? Abraham struggles and he's waiting and he's waiting. The brilliance of the story of Abraham and his life and what he lived is that his example is one for us of remaining faithful to God, even though he doesn't see or receive the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to him in his lifetime. He sees one child. God says you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to be, there's going to be like lots of them. Go and look outside and look at the stars in the sky. That's what your descendants are going to be like. They reckon with the naked eye, you can count anywhere between three and a half and five thousand stars on a clear night. At 75 to get that promise, like three and a half thousand kids. That's a lot. And yet Abraham holds on to this, holding on. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. God gives him one child. And then God says, I want you to go and sacrifice that child. The promise, the start of your promise, the first part that you see this promise starting to come in your life. God says, go and lay that thing down on the altar. Abraham going, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust you. Such a beautiful picture for us who live under the promise of the new covenant. The kingdom that has been inaugurated with Jesus coming and the kingdom that will come. We might not see that kingdom fulfilled in our lifetime like Abraham didn't see that promise. But we can still hold on to that promise that the kingdom is coming. We can live with hope for a future that God has promised. It's a beautiful example for us. We can, look in a, we can live in a way that looks forward to an ultimate hope. Alright, 2 Peter, you there. 2 Peter chapter 3. Just going to read two quick verses. We'll put it up on the screen if you haven't got your Bibles or you can't click over there. You can't find two Peter, it's got a small book near the back Hebrews and then Revelations. You seem to miss a few in between there. Two Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Peter says this, but do not forget. Can you say forget? forget this one thing, dear friends? With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow can you say slow, in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, instead he is patient, say with me patient, with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, friends your promises from God are not past their sell-by date, God is not slow in keeping his promises, his timing is perfect, his timing is absolutely perfect, you know many of us are, are okay with kind of Okay, I've got this promise, God, and it's a bit big, and it's a bit out there, and it's going to challenge me and push me. And we kind of get to the point where we're like, okay, I can, yeah, I've can, i got faith for that, Lord. I can believe it. But we start to lose faith when the promise doesn't happen in the timing that we think it should happen. Many of the promises that people receive in the Bible extend well beyond their lifetimes. God shows us things and gives us promise in those things that extend well beyond our lifetime often. Trust in the timing of God requires far more faith than trusting in that the promise will happen. Does that make sense? Trusting in the timing that God will give me that thing requires far more faith than just that thing happening. You see, let's say let's say God says to you, voyeur, he says, I want to release a gospel album through you. I want to give you a gospel. I'm not there's not a prophecy, not a word. Just I'm using an example because I know you can sing. But let's say God says that you can be like, thank you, Lord, and off you go. Man, Dave, you got a recording studio? Hook me up, buddy. Give me some time. Let's cut a track, load it up. How do we get out there? Easy to make it happen ourselves, a lot of these things. Easy to make the, especially when it starts taking a bit of time. In the beginning we're like, okay, Lord, thank you. I'll just wait for that to happen. The record company going to phone me any day now. Just wait on you, Lord. And then it doesn't happen and you're like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to make it happen." see Abraham did exactly the same thing. Abraham got this incredible promise from God. And what did he do? He made a plan. It took it was taking a while. And so Abraham and his wife came to him and said, "Listen, this is you know, the promise of God's not happening. Let's just let's just circumvent, it's, it's what God wants, God wants you to have descendants, so let's just do it our way, and we end up with Ishmael, who became, as the word says, a thorn in Israel's flesh for generations to come, when we make, a, when we make our own plans of God's promises and don't trust in his timing, we suffer, we think we're suffering by waiting, but short-circuiting the promises of God is far more painful than... Taking the time to trust God and to wait. And maybe you feel like God has withheld your promises because you've been impatient and you've made your own plan in the meantime. And you feel like, man, I've ruined that thing. But you know what the beautiful beautiful part of Abraham's story is? God doesn't look at Abraham and go, well, you've made Ishmael. Now you deal with it. I'm out of here. God is still faithful to the promise he made to Abraham. Isaac still comes. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible, incredible picture of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God over that man. God says, trust me, I've got this beautiful promise. Abraham ruins it. God says, the beautiful promise is still coming. You'll deal with the consequences of Ishmael, of what you did, but that doesn't negate the promise of God. Because the beauty about the promises of God is that they're not dependent on me. They're dependent on Him. We see over and over again in the Bible, the Israelites, they get this. Moses goes up on the mountain. He's gone for a bit longer than what they can deal with. And so they're like, Aaron, let's make a golden calf. Let's make something we can see. We used to have this. Let's make this thing. They short-circuit the promises of God for them. The Israelites... God is building them into an incredible nation. He's leading them. They say, like, we want to be like the rest, we want a king like the rest of the nation. God says, I am your king. They reject God as king, and they deal with the consequences of that. Saul, the King Saul, Sam, the prophet Samuel says to King Saul, he says, Go down there and wait for me. I'm going to be this long. And when I come, I'll do the sacrifices before we go out to battle. King Saul goes down there. He waits Samuel's longer. Samuel's late. To be fair to Saul, Samuel's late. He's not there on time. And me, I'm like a, you're either for me. You're either early or you're late. There's no on time. You can either come early or you after that you're late. And so King Saul is there, and he's going. Samuel's late. He said he was going to do this. We need to do this. It's now Wednesday at three o'clock. It's happening. And King Saul makes his own plan. Does the sacrifice himself, which is not the king's duty. He doesn't wait for the promise that Samuel gave him. Come and do it. Just, true Bob, Just as he's doing it. Samuel arrives and goes, what are you doing? You were not supposed to be doing that. And Saul goes, but hey, hang on, you were late. You'd... You see what it is? Saul not waiting, making a plan, doing the right thing, but in the wrong timing. And God rejects Saul as king. And he says this incredible thing. He says, I desire obedience, not sacrifice. I desire obedience not sacrifice. It's often easier to do something, even if that something costs me and is a sacrifice and I've got to lay down my life than it is to be obedient and wait for the promises of God. Because we feel useless and we want to take control. We want to be those who make those things happen. Friends, I want to say to you, the promises of God over your life are not past their sell-by date. We can go on and on with the examples, but for time's sake, we'll move on. So what is our response? 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on God. Peter was a fisherman, and they fished with nets that they would pull out, but they also fished with cast nets. Have you ever tried to use a cast net? A cast net is like a circular shaped net with a rope in the middle and it's got weights all around the edge. And you've got to, Andy Lund taught me how to cast with one. You've got to like hold part of it in your teeth and then you put some over your shoulder and you hold these things and then you fling it. And as you fling it, it like opens as this beautiful circle and then lands on the water where the fish are and the sink is closed and you pull the handle and pulls them out. But in reality what happens is that you throw this thing and the thing, the line is like around your leg and the other sinkers hit you on the back of the head and you forget to let go with your teeth so it pulls out your mouth. And it's an ugly thing. And the fish scatter and Andy laughs at you. And he says, try again. No, thanks. I'm okay. But Peter is saying, Peter is used to casting. He's a fisherman. He's used to casting nets on things. And that's what he's saying. He's saying... Cast your anxieties on God. He's saying, just choyom. Whatever you're struggling with, just cast it on God. You don't have to put it gently or bring it like you just, you put your anxieties on God. It's It's such a crazy picture. He's saying, be humble, humble yourselves, that God will lift you up in His time, and then cast your anxiety on Him. Those things seem different. Like, if I just cast my anxiety on God, it seems like I'm not being very humble, because we have a wrong picture of what humility is. We'd be falsely humble and we go to God and we're just like, thank you that it's all okay, Lord. It's amazing. Peter's saying, humble yourselves, allow God's timing to happen, but cast your anxieties on Him. God lifts us up in due time. You see, part of the thing of casting your anxiety on someone, trusting yourself to someone else with what you are struggling with, requires that you trust that person. We won't cast our anxieties on God if we don't trust Him. Because we think, man, you can't do anything about it, so why should I even bring it up with you? Or you're going to expose me for what I am. It's going to make me more anxious. It's going to be this. But if we trust God, we can cast our anxieties on him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says this, and this is our responsibility. These are <clears throat> three things out of this, this verse. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Here's our responsibility. First one is to be humble. Humility, as C.S. Lewis famously said, is not thinking thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. So don't, don't diminish who you are. Just don't think about yourself so much. See, a false humility with you, like, if you're really good at something, like for Dave to go, Oh, guys, I can't really sing that well. That's a false humility. For me, it's honest. But for Dave, it would be a false humility because we know he can sing well. And for you, if, if, you are, if you're good at something, if God's given you a gift or a talent in something, that's okay to go, This is what I'm good at. I can do this. That's not wrong or arrogant. It's just honest. Humility doesn't parade that thing in front of everybody else. You don't walk around going, I am the finest singer in this church. (laughs) Who dares challenge me to a riff off? (laughs) Yes, that was a Pitch Perfect reference. Be humble. And the way that we humble ourselves is that we focus on God. Revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ as Lord. That's how we humble ourselves. We turn our eyes away from looking at ourselves to looking at Jesus. That's how we humble ourselves. And when we see Him and see who He is and rightly understand that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of God who died on the cross for your and my sins, who willingly gave His life, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who was in the beginning, who formed the universe, that God Himself came and chose to die That Jesus was forsaken from the Father so that I wouldn't have to be forsaken. When you see that, you see who He is. It's easy to be humble before Him. Revere Christ as Lord. He is God and I am not. He is the one who makes the promises and will fulfill it in His time. The second thing, be ready. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. I love, that. I love a good argument. I, I probably in another life could, would have made a pretty good lawyer. Because I just love arguing about stuff. For those who know me, you'll know it. I get passionate, I get worked up. But that's not because I'm trying to shout you down. It's just like I like it, it's so much fun. But we're not. And some of us want to give answers in that way. Early on, I started out like that. I was, I, love like I was into apologetics. So there's this thing in like theology where it's a whole vein of theology that is a, to give an apology in, in, in the Greek term what's to give an answer for something. And so what it is, it's a study of answering for the Christian faith. But really, it's just people who like to argue. It's theologists who like to argue. They get up and they, they like to use big words. and they, it's, amazing. it's fun. Like I enjoy it. Not many people do, but I enjoy that sort of thing. But some of us want to answer for our faith like that. We want to be arguing with people. But you see, the word says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. The result of living as though the the promises of God are true, despite what we see around us, is that we live with a sense of undefeatable hope. And that, friends, is extremely attractive to everybody who doesn't know Jesus, because they look at you. And they see what's going on in your life. And they see what we're living in, and the world we're living in. And they go, wait, hang on. How do you still have hope? I know what's going on with you. How do you still have hope? And that thing gives us cause for answer about Jesus. You can go, well, let me tell you where that hope comes from. And we're able and we're ready to give an answer. We've got to be ready and willing to give the answer. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And then finally, be faithful. The end of that verse says, but do this with gentleness and respect. What a beautiful picture. Do this with gentleness and respect. You see, my wanting to give an answer out of having to prove me right was not with gentleness or respect. Fortunately, God's working on me, and I can talk softly, so it's gentle now. (laughs) But if we're not going to be gentle with other people and their issues, how are they ever going to know the love of God? If we're not going to have respect for them as persons created in the image of God, how are they ever truly going to know the hope that God calls them to? We do it. If you're unsure of how to do it, look at Jesus' life and look at how He did it. Some people he was straight with. He was direct. He was like, I mean, to call someone, hey buddy, you you know, you look like a whitewashed tomb. You look like a tomb that's been painted with cheap paint. With death inside of it. It doesn't sound very gentle. But he was. He was doing it with gentleness and respect. How did he do it? That's what Jesus did. A woman caught in adultery, middle of her sin. Deserves. Does no one condemn you? Oh, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Gentleness and respect. You want to know how to approach difficult situations? Have a look at how Jesus was doing. Get to know him. Get to know his life and his teachings. Get to know him personally and relationship. And live that out. Be faithful. Be faithful with the hope that you have. Be faithful with the message of hope that he's given us. Be faithful with what God's put in front of you right now. See, sometimes we get a promise from God and we just, we want to sit back and we want to be like, okay, Lord, you make it happen. Off you go. I'm going to do nothing. And that also is a form of control because there's things that God's put in our hands and things that God's put in our lives. And in the meantime, we need to be faithful with where we're at and with what we've got. With where he's got it. We might not see the promise fulfilled now. We're still waiting on the timing of God, but be faithful with what God's put in your hands now and where he's put you now. Luke 16.10. He's faithful with little, will be trusted with much. God's timing is impeccable, friends. I want to say it to you again. The promises of God have not reached their sell by date. You're not going to be thrown out back with the off vegetables. Be ready, be studied, be awake, be alert to God's fulfilling of His promises in your life. It's not just a head readiness, but it's a heart readiness, where our hearts are clothed with humility and love, where we show that we have trust and faith and hope in God. You see, our heart readiness allows us to face all the waiting across any promise or situation because we know the promiser. I don't know if that's a real word we know the one who made the promise. And we pursue the promiser, not the promise. So often we become enamored with these amazing things that God speaks over our lives and these great pictures that he gives us that we chase after those things. When in reality, to see those things fulfilled, we've got to chase after the promiser, the one who gives the promise. When you seek him and you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will follow. That's not my wisdom, that's Jesus's. When we pursue the promiser, the promises are almost fulfilled by accident. Our responsibility is to pursue Jesus every single day of our lives. Waiting well for God, for God's timing, depends a lot on remembering who we are waiting for and not what. When you are struggling with that, when you are struggling with, man, this thing's not happening, it'll take you a long time. Often, I used to go back to the promises and go, okay, what are they again? Let me remind myself so I can get fresh energy to hold on for these things because they're amazing. But rather, go back to God. Waiting well for God, waiting well for the promise comes when we know the promiser, when we know him. and We can go, okay, I can trust him. That's the one I can trust. He's faithful. So when the promise happens, and even if it's beyond my lifetime, I can still trust him. The promises of God are not past their sell-by date on your lives. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are full of grace, Lord. And I thank you that you are a God who is not only the creator of the universe, you are infinite beyond measure and understanding, but you are also intimate and personal. And you know each and every one of us down to the hairs of our head you know us, you formed us, you know where we are going and where we've come from, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that even in our bumbling about of daily lives, that you speak clearly to us, Holy Spirit, and you speak promises over our lives. God, I thank you for the the encouragement that those promises bring. And God, I ask you through your Holy Spirit that you would help us to wait well. Help us to always be turned to you, Father. Jesus, come and remind us that it is not about the promises. That is about you. We want to live as those who revere you as Lord Jesus, who are faithful with where you've put us, so that we can always be ready to give an answer for the hope to anyone who asks that we have in you, Jesus. And Father, we declare this morning that our hope is in you, not in any promises that are made. Come and have your way in and through us, Lord. Let your kingdom be advanced in our region, because of the hope that we live with. We pray these things in your mighty name. And all God's good-looking people said.